Word of our Lord from the book of Genesis. And Jacob rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent them and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, the man touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of his hip was out of joint as, he, as the man wrestled with him. So the man said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I would not let you go unless you bless me. So the man said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. So the man said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. So the man said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because the man had touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the, muck, in the muscle that shrank. Let's be honest with one another. We worry and fret over the future. We worry and fret over whether the markets will continue in their current course, whether that promotion will actually develop at work, and if so, what if it's offered to someone else? We worry, we fret. What am I going to be when I grow up? Oh my, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm already supposed to be grown up. We think about the future often, and typically when we think about it, we think of the possibilities and the potential dangers and the potential troubles. We worry, we fret. Something we need to keep in mind about ourselves and our families and our congregation is that God's vision for our future is bigger than the disappointments of our past. We ourselves have disappointments in our past. Disappointments that dog us, that haunt us. Disappointments we'd like to forget about. Disappointments we would like others to forget about. Our families. Sometimes they have pasts that aren't Delightful, that we don't want to share, that we don't want to open up to others about. Our congregation, we have a past. We're many years in the making. But God's vision for our future is bigger than the disappointments of our past. God is able to do far more than what we've seen, He's able to do far more than what we can imagine, the Apostle Paul says. We are not beyond hope. We as people, we as families, we as a congregation, we aren't beyond hope because as long as there's breath, there's hope. Always. Always. 
We need to allow ourselves to get past what our name has meant. You know, there's power in a name. In the biblical world, this was so. A, a name meant something. It said something of a person's character. It said something of a person's behaviors. It said something about that person's identity. You know, your identity is very much tied up into your character and your behaviors. In the biblical world, there was power in a name. A name would evoke an image, evoke a, a thought. In our own experience, this is so as well. There's, a, there's power in a name. When you hear the name of a president, you immediately, you don't just think, oh, okay. You put a face to that name and you think about the good things, you think about the bad things, you think about the disappointments. You think about Supreme Court appointments. You think about all sorts of things when you hear the name of someone you know. A hero. When you hear that name, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my heroes. When you hear that name, many, many thoughts and images immediately come with it. The name of a friend, there's power in that name. Sometimes you smile, sometimes you laugh. But that name means that person. When we give someone else our name, when we meet a kid on the playground and say, Hi, my name's Imogene, what's your name? When we meet someone at a conference and say, I see your name tag says you're Kevin, Hi, I'm Adam, as it says on my name tag. When you exchange names with someone, you, you are giving them not very much information at first because unless you're also giving them a resume or something, you're, you're not giving them much more than your name. But you are giving them the power to begin to develop ideas about you. Perhaps they've heard of you before. Perhaps they've heard a lot about you. Perhaps they've heard not so much or perhaps not much good. We hear the name of an enemy. Thoughts come to our minds. There's power in a name. What do we know about Jacob? We encounter him in this text. and In this text we find him encountering a man. Scholars have debated and argued over whether or not this is an angel, whether or not this is some mysterious man, some, some heavenly figure. Perhaps this is Christ Jesus. The pre-incarnate Christ, some Old Testament scholars would say. But we encounter Jacob encountering this man, and one of the questions that this man with whom Jacob is wrestling asks him is, what is your name? And in giving his name, he is having to face who he is and who he has been. Because Jacob means heel grabber, supplanter. It was given to him because he was born with his twin brother, and he was grabbing his twin brother's heel, grabbing Esau's heel when he was born. In all of Jacob's life, he has been a heel grabber. He has been one who is willing to take others down in order to get ahead. He has been a cheat. He has been a deceiver. He has been Jacob. 
And in wrestling with him, this man is forcing Jacob to face who he is and who he has been. What his name means to others. Jacob is on his way to meet with his brother Esau, whom he hasn't seen in years. He's traveling back home and he's received word that his brother is on his way to meet them. And so what Jacob does is he begins to prepare for the worst. He remembers who he is. He remembers what Jacob means to Esau. He remembers his past. And so he prepares his family, prepares his belongings, and he sends them to get away from him. To not be in danger. And in the night he meets and wrestles with this man. What do we know about ourselves? What disappointments do we have? What shadows lurk in our past that dog us and haunt us that we'd rather forget about? Perhaps most disconcerting of all, what do others know about us? We know, and they know, and we know that they know, and they know that we know that they know. It all gets kind of scary. We need to allow ourselves to get past what our name has meant. Because God wants to recharacterize us. He wants to give us a new name. It's one of the most beautiful images of the book of Revelation. When you get to the very end, you find new names being given. John the Revelator said that the Lord gave to each one a new name which only he and that one knew. God wants to recharacterize us. He wants to reform us. To give us a new name. He wants to share his name with us. Because he wants to share his character with us. You know what else? We need to allow others to get past what their names have meant. There are people in our lives who have disappointed us, people in our lives who have hurt us, people in our lives who have offended us, people in our lives who we've always thought weren't really worth much, certainly not much of our time and energy, certainly not much of our interest. Folks, so when we hear their names, we think badly. We think bad thoughts. We think of all the frustrations. We think of all of the the poor character and poor decisions. But we need to allow others to get past what their names have meant. How do we reach the world with the transformative gospel of Jesus? For starters, we make sure not to downplay or limit its transformativeness. The gospel is able to transform. God is able to give a new name. He's able to, to share His character with others. He's able to transform lives. And we need to be sure to 
allow others the opportunity to get past what their names have meant. We need to allow others the same opportunity that's been afforded to us to see beyond the past. And how do we get there? We get there by encountering the Holy One. Jacob met this man here in this area of land. And after dawn had broken, after a new day had begun, he named that place Paniel. He said, for I have met with God here. I have encountered the Holy One. We get there by encountering the Holy One. We get there by wrestling with God. By saying, I will not stop until you bless me. Until you, until you mark my life. Until you enrich my life. Not with all of the material blessings that we see around ourselves. Not with all of the things that we envy for. And are jealous of. But Lord until you bless me. And until you change what my name means. I'll not stop fighting. I'll not stop wrestling. We get there by allowing him to wound us. It's interesting that Jacob left this encounter with a, a limp the rest of his life. And not only that but the, the, uh, the commenter explains that this is why the Hebrew people would not eat the muscle of an animal at that joint. To be reminded of their forefather Jacob, what he had been and what God had made him. But in God transforming him, in God giving him a new name, in God giving him his character, changing the trajectory of his life, he wounded him. You know, wounds aren't always all that bad in the end. They always come with a story after all. That story has left its mark. But there are things worse than wounds. Wounds sometimes serve as a reminder of what we've been through. What's happened to us. And particularly a wound that is Received by encountering the Holy One is a wound worth having. Wounds remind us that our encounters have cost us something. They've changed us. We're just a couple of Sundays after Epiphany. And when we think of Epiphany, we typically think of the Magi traveling from the east to visit the Christ child, to bring their gifts to him. Gifts that were costly, gifts that were difficult to, for them to afford. They, they traveled and they encountered Herod. One who Israel feared. One who Jesus' family rightly feared. 
and escaped to Egypt. Jacob, here in Genesis 32, is on a journey. And along that journey, he is going to encounter Esau, one that he fears, one that knows about his past, and one who has a beef with Jacob's past. And as we journey in our lives, as we've begun a new year, We encounter our past. And God invites us to see beyond the past. Because His vision for our future is bigger than the past. It's bigger. It's brighter. It's filled with possibilities. It's filled with potentiality. For us. For our families for our congregation. God invites us to see beyond the past. Perhaps you need to invite God. Lord, lift my eyes to what you have for me. Lift my eyes away from my past. Lift my eyes away from what my name has meant and give me a vision for what you have in my future. Lord, help me to believe that your, your vision for my future is bigger than the disappointments of my past. As the band comes to play and to lead us in one final song, I want to invite any who would like to come forward and pray for God to give them victory over their past, for God to give them a vision for what He has for their future. For anyone who would like to simply say, Lord, I want more of what You have for me. I want more of what You have for my family. I want more of what You have for our church. Would you come and pray? as the Lord lays it on your heart. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you 